Hello there. Welcome back to Southside Baptist Church's Sermon Audio Podcast. Tune in this week as Chris Kripe, one of our elders, shares an important and very timely message on deconstruction. What is it and how do we think about this biblically? We hope this episode's a blessing to you. Have a great week. Good morning. Well, I tell you what, I feel a little bit rusty. I haven't taught for a couple of years, but I was so thankful when Pastor asked me to come and share God's Word with you. And for those of you that don't know me, my name is Chris Kripe. I'm part of the leadership team here, and you haven't seen much of me for the past couple of years because we got COVID and it hit our family really, really hard. So we're still figuring that out and what that means for us. But let me tell you, we've been watching, and we've been praying, and so happy to be here this morning. My wife's able to be here today, and uh, what a blessing to be here in the family of God. Amen? Amen. So today, we're going to talk about something that's been really concerning to me. This morning, we're going to be talking about deconstruction, and I know a little bit about deconstruction because... My wife went through a phase, I don't know if she saw it on TV, I don't know what she saw, but she started making deconstructed food. So it started with, I think, deconstructed cabbage rolls. I really don't recommend that. We did deconstructed shepherd's pie. When you see like individual bowls of carrots and peas and potatoes, you got to mix them all together. It's just not that great. But I had to put my foot down when she said deconstructed egg rolls. And I said, how do you feel about a deconstructed cell phone? Would that be okay with you? Um, It didn't go real well (laughs) after that. But this morning, I want you to turn with me in the book of Hebrews, because we're going to talk about a type of deconstruction that's much more serious than that. And that is people that are deconstructing their faith. And I don't know about you, I've known people personally that are doing this, I've seen so-called Christian celebrities that are doing this, and they're coming out and they're saying, yes, I'm no longer a Christian, I'm deconstructing my faith. And you probably have heard about them too. And so it's concerning to me, and for this reason. So we're going to start together in Hebrews chapter 1. And this is God talking. Now, this is God talking about Jesus, and he's writing to people that weren't sure if they knew who, how great Jesus really was, whether or not he's better than the angels. But it says, but to the Son, he says, in verse 8, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Now, we think about holy Jesus, meek and mild, on a hill, holding a lamb, right? Sweet Jesus, and he is. But he's also... Your throne, right? Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. But he keeps going. He says, And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up and they will all be changed. But you are the same and your years will not fail. That's the Jesus that we serve, right? Not just Jesus meek and mild, but a Jesus with a kingdom that's never going to end. 
You know, all the stuff that's in this room is going to come to an end. This stage, this table, the chair that you're sitting on, the car that you drive, they're all going to come to an end, but his years will never end. But then he tells us something, and this is where the concern comes in. So look at, we're just going to skip ahead a couple verses here. Hebrews 2, verse 1. He says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we, what's the words? Drift away. We must give heed these things that we just heard, how great Jesus is, how mighty he is, the fact that he has a kingdom that will never end. Why? Lest we drift away. And that's what's concerning to me this morning. It's not like somebody's coming to church and they're, you know, refuse to shake your hand. You go, well, I'm never going back there again. I mean, maybe that happens. But what I'm seeing with people is they're just, they're just drifting away. You know, when I was a kid, we lived on a lake, toy boat in the water. You get the picture, right? And it just starts going. You know, it never goes to a shore, right? It's always drifting out there, drifting further and further away. And that's what I see happening with Christians today is they're just starting to drift away. And it concerns me. It should concern you too. Maybe a friend of yours is drifting away. I had a friend this week um, going through really hard times. We've been friends and brothers and we've fought and gone to church and done VBS together for 25 years. And he sent me a text. He goes, I just don't know how much more I can take. I, I might leave the faith. It's happening, guys. Maybe not, maybe not to you. I hope not. But people are starting to drift away. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. What are the reasons that are causing people to drift away? And how do we combat those things, right? Because... We don't want to just know why, and there's a million reasons why, but I kind of am focusing on three. Have you heard about some of the Christian artists that are starting to drift away? Um, Josh Harris wrote the book, I Kiss Say Goodbye, Renounces Faith in the Last Few Years. Um, John Piper's son, Abraham Piper. Marty Sampson, part of Hillsong, wrote songs that you and I have sung inside this church, renounces faith. DC Talk, Kevin Max, he's now an ex-evangelical. People that you and I know of, and they're drifting away. And the problem is they're doing it so publicly and really without any sense of shame. So the first reason why I think people are drifting away is fear. Do you like to be liked? I like to be liked. How about you, right? And, you know, the problem is we're coming up through a time where people really thought well of Christians. Like, when I was a kid, everybody was a Christian, right? The president was a Christian. You know, the people in Congress were Christians. Celebrities were Christians. The guy that swindled me at a car at the car lot was a Christian. He <laughs> went to my mom and dad's church. Everybody was a Christian, right? Is it, is it like that now? Do you think most people outside of our Christian bubbles, do you think that they think well of Christians? What do they think? They think we're... What's that? I'm sorry, one more time. 
Yeah, they think that we're intolerant. Yeah, good. What else? Hypocrite. What else? Hater, judgmental. Um, how about stupid, right? You know, you, you, re- you read some book written by a bunch of guys 2,000 years ago, and you think that that's truth, right? And so what happens is, you know, it was a lot, I'm not going to say it was ever easy, but it was a lot easier to be a Christian when everybody thought that was a good thing. I mean, you know, it's in our money, right? In God we trust is on, is on the dollar bill. And now we are living in a time where people don't think well of Christians. And they think all those things, like you said, intolerant, stupid, foolish, haters, homophobic, racist. You know, did you see on TV where one of the news commentators said that Jesus was a racist? I mean, that... That tells us that we're now living in a time where people don't think well of Christians. They don't well think well of you and I. And we want to be liked. So how does it start? Well, what it starts with is I start to compromise, right? So people are talking. They're saying stuff that I know it isn't biblical. And what do I do? Well, I'll just stay silent, right? What, what if I'm just quiet, right? That, that's not going to dishonor the Lord. Well, what if... What if um, I'll just say something that doesn't really mean anything, right? And, and that'll be okay. That won't dishonor the Lord. And then maybe I want to go along to get along. It's happening. We got sent out at work. Um, we got sent out a survey to see how woke we were. And you had to rate yourself, A, B, or C. With how, and, you know, and I'm asking myself, am I, am I going to be able to retire from this job? You know, will I be able to be there and and serve in this capacity at my work? Or is it going to reach a point where if, if I do speak up, I'm going to be seen as intolerant, possibly a threat to the common good, and maybe I won't be able to work there anymore. I don't know. Do you, that's scary, you know? I don't want to lose that paycheck. What am I going to do? Fear. Um, we start to compromise, and our thinking can begin to get warped Jesus said it this way. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Has anybody got that on a plaque in their living room? (laughs) No. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. Wow. I haven't seen that on any Christian posters lately, have you? If the world hates you, it hated him first. And if I belonged to the world, it would love me as its own. Um, You know, fear isn't just limited to us. Fear happened to people in the Bible. Have you heard about Elijah? Remember him? He uh, was a prophet in the Old Testament. And back then they worshipped another god named Baal. You might be familiar with this. And so... He told the people of Israel, look, you're going to have to choose. Look, you're either going to worship God or you're going to worship Baal. And he kind of challenged them to the biblical version of a dance-off, right? He said, you're going to build your altar over here, and I'm going to build my altar over there. And you're going to put up the wood and everything, but you don't get to light it. And we're going to see if Baal accepts the offering by burning it himself. And then it's my turn. So... Here's the prophets. They're dancing around, 
dancing, dancing, nothing's happening. Then they start cutting themselves. The Bible says that the blood was running down. They're wailing and moaning and prophesying, and nothing happens. So Elijah goes, okay, and this went on all day long. Okay, this wasn't like 15 minutes and we're in and out. This was an all-day thing that these guys are beseeching Baal to consume this sacrifice. Elijah goes, okay, now it's my turn, right? Do you remember? So he built an altar using 12 stones, and then he put the wood, and then he put the sacrifice on top of the meat, and then he didn't stop there. Remember, he poured water on it. Water and water and water till it was running down the sides. It filled a trench, water everywhere. Elijah prays, and fire came down from heaven, consumed not just the meat, not just the wood, the rocks were gone, the water was gone. It says even the dust was gone, all of it gone. Now you'd think at this point, Elijah would be like, let's start the podcast. I got a Christian book in the works. I'm going to go on TV and YouTube and start a channel, and it's all going to be great because God is on my side. But you know what? That's not what happened. Um, there was a queen, you've heard of her, her name was Jezebel. And she said, you know what? I'm not real pleased with what you did. In fact, I'm going to kill you. And he got scared, and he ran to the wilderness. That's fear. You know, we would think, well, Elijah, come on, dude. God talked to you. You saw him work. You know, if I saw that stuff, I'd never be scared. But you know what? Fear is common to all of us. And that's okay but we can't give into it, especially in this world, because people need to see that you're not just a homophobic, stupid, judgmental hater, right? They need to see that you are living for the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So we cannot give in to fear. Next one. Doubt. This is a biggie. Satan knows, Satan knows how to make you doubt. And let me tell you, his messages are all over the place, right? They're on TV, they're on the internet, they're in the mouth of your friends. It's all coming. And sometimes that starts to get into our mind and play with the way that we think. And sometimes we start to even question whether the things that we've been taught out of the Bible are really true. So we're going to take just a real quick detour for all of us that didn't go to, get to go anywhere this week, right? We didn't get to go to Florida. Well, we're going to go to the Garden of Eden, okay? So that's, that's our substitute. So turn with me in Genesis. We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 16 and 17 real quick. Well, 15. Let's start there. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, now get this, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, 
you shall surely die. Now, you're like, oh, I've heard this a million times, right? I know that. Well, let's see where the doubt comes in. So we're going to just skip up to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said? Did God really say? I can feel the doubt starting already, right? Did God really say, You shall not eat of what? What's it say? Of every tree of the garden. See how he did that? So he starts to make you question yourself by saying, well, did God really say? And then, he, and then he kind of brings in a lie. And those of you in my Sunday school class know the best kind of a lie is a half-truth, right? So he kind of, God did tell him not to touch a tree, but he didn't say every tree, right? He just said the one. Satan knows how to introduce doubt. And let me tell you, you, if you're a human being alive in this world today, which I think is everybody here, doubts are coming at you fast and thick. They're not just coming from without, they're coming from within, sometimes within the very church itself. I mean, come on. When you've got somebody who's written worship songs that have been sung by millions of people, and they go, you know what, I'm kind of done with this Christian thing, it doesn't make you doubt just a little bit. But I did a little, just for you guys, I just did a little graph. Let's look at some things that the world says now that we've all heard, and let's see how that compares to the Word of God. And let's see if there's a difference there, okay? So you'll like the first one, I think. The first one says, it looks like it's cut off a little bit on the side. The first one is, love is love. Have you heard that? Love is love. You know, the world, they've got certain trump cards, right? If I say this, then you're done. You can't say anything. And one is love. And I can love whoever I want, however I want. And you can't say anything about it because it's love. I mean, God is love. So how can you dispute that, right? Love is love. Well, the Bible says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Wait a minute. Well, to keep his commandments, that means... I got to follow what Jesus says? Wait, which means I kind of know what those commandments are? Which means maybe I have to read the Bible a little bit? I don't know if I'm liking this too much. I, I think love is love's a lot nicer, right? How about this one? There we go. There are many ways to heaven. Have you heard this? I've heard this. Um, I was at a wedding, and I was sitting by a really nice guy. He actually officiated the wedding, and he was a Catholic priest, and it was his very first wedding. And so I had just heard on the radio, they had quoted the Pope, and I heard, and he said, faith is through, or salvation is through faith in Christ alone and the Catholic Church. So that's what the Pope said. I didn't say it. And I just so happened to be sitting by the priest at the reception after the wedding. So, you know, me being meek and mild and afraid to talk to anybody, I said, hey, you know what? I heard the Pope said this, and I just wondered, so what does that mean for me? Because I'm not Catholic. Can I go to heaven? And he said, of course you can, because as long as you obey the dictates of your heart, you can go to heaven. So 
if you are of a Muslim faith or a Buddhist or even you don't believe there's a God, as long as you're true to yourself, you get to go to heaven. And what does Jesus say? You guys know this one. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am, say it with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except through me, right? Now, we didn't say that. That's what Jesus said. And so I, again, because I'm very shy and kind, I said, well, you know, you just contradicted the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. I didn't know if you were aware of that. But doesn't it sound good? There are many ways to heaven. You guys are like this one. I got to do me, right? I have got to do me. You know, you know what the problem is? I'm just not me enough. I'm just, there's just not enough of Chris Kripe in here, and I just got to figure this out. Now, that sounds kind of silly, right? <laughs> I'll deal with you after the service. Um, I have a friend, and I love this guy. I mean, I cannot tell you how I love this guy. And he and his wife were missionaries in Brazil for a number of years, and they came back, and they're not believers anymore. He told me that he's an agnostic and his wife is an atheist. And so I'm, and I'm telling you, I love this guy. I mean, you would love him too. He's awesome. And so I'm trying to untangle this. You know, what, what happened? What went on? And one of the things that he said to me was, well, you know what? I just have to figure out who I am. I, I just have to figure out who I am. I just have to be me. And uh, I'm telling you guys, the lies of the world. And they're so, they're so appealing, aren't they? Here, I got one more for you. Here we go. I need to cut toxic people out of my life. And you know what? I bet you if we went to somebody and I said, you know, this person has been so mean to me, and I'm going to cut them out of my life, and you know what? The friends would be like, go for it. Go for it. Because you've got to take care of yourself first. You can't love other people till you love you. Right? What's the Bible say about that? Matthew 5.44, but I say unto you, love your enemies. That's hard, right? Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. You see, I'm, I'm just trying to show you, I'm not trying to make fun of people, but I want you to see that the lies of this world, the lies that Satan tells us, all these things that I just said to you, love is love, Many ways to heaven, cutting toxic people out of my life. These are things that you hear people say. And they sound great, don't they? Because I get to do me. Right? Isn't that awesome? If you don't fit, if you don't work for me, you're done. You know, if if this marriage isn't working for me anymore, I just gotta be happy, man. I cannot stay in this marriage. We're done. I'm cutting you off. I'm gonna love whoever I want. You can't say I can't do that. But the Bible does. And what happens is we hear these messages over and over and over and over, and we see our friends say them, and we see celebrities say them, and we hear people in the church sometimes say them. 
And all of a sudden, you know what? I start to doubt. I start to doubt what is really truth anymore. Just like my friend, my buddy, is doubting. At the end of the day, friends, you have to make a choice. Are you going to give in to the doubts? Are you going to believe in the world's lies? Or are you willing to trust in God and in his word and in his ways? People who deconstruct their faith start to believe the lies of the world and doubt the truth of God's word. This isn't very popular. This isn't very cool, is it? Well, we got, we got another one. So, if I can get through this. There we go. So, we've got fear, and we've got doubt, and now we've got a big one, which is pride. And this one really is almost the most scary to me. So, we're going to go back to Genesis. If you turned away, flip back there real quick. Because we, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to look at the oldest lie in the book. So we looked at Genesis 3.1, the serpent, and he says, has God indeed said, did God really say, right? You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, which he didn't say, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now here's where the pride comes in, and this is important. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Now, he just called God a liar, right? Catch that. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me that God just said this? I'm really not going to die? Because he knows that if I eat this fruit, my eyes are going to be opened, and I'm going to be like who? God. So do you see what Satan did there? With a very simple statement, he's introduced doubt. Now he told you a lie, and he basically said, yeah, you know what? God, God wants to withhold something really good from you. Sound familiar? You know, do you ever hear people say, well, you know what? I don't want to be a Christian. It's just a bunch of rules. Well, you know what? They are rules if they're stupid and they're not in God's word, right? They're not rules if they're in here, right? These are not rules. These are ways that God loves us and tells us how to live rightly so that we can have a wonderful life. That's why they're there. And so he tells Eve, eh, really, God wasn't real upfront with you. You're really not going to die. But he knows if you eat this fruit... You're going to be like God, and look at the last part, knowing good and evil. Now that, my friend, is the key right there, because we're going to see this running like a thread. That's the bait. I showed you a little bit ago a series of slides with people that have walked away from the faith, Marty Sampson being one, a Hill songwriter. Um, he told the Christian Post, Marty did, that he has not renounced his faith, but it's on incredibly shaky ground. It is. Samson told the paper that he is, quote, struggling with many parts of the belief system that seem so incoherent 
with common human morality. You know what you just saw? You're going to be like God. You're going to know good and evil. You get to decide what's right, and you get to decide what's wrong. Josh Harris, he wrote, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, big, huge book in the, I think it was the late 90s maybe, um, went on to be a pastor for many years. He was a lead pastor, uh, walked away from his faith, and he advocates, in fact, he actually has classes, or did, to help you deconstruct your own Christianity. So for 275 lousy dollars, you can learn how to deconstruct your own Christianity with Josh Harris. But he said this, um, he advocates for people's freedom to change and grow and walk away from systems and beliefs that no longer fit them. You get to be God, and you get to decide what's right, and you get to decide what's wrong. That's what it's all about, guys. It's going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And we hear this in so many different ways. You hear this when you hear people say, well, my God would never, well, or, well, I just don't see how a loving God could And what they're really saying is, well, I'm going to judge what's right and what's wrong, and that's not the way God should work. That's just not the way he should work. One guy said this. He said, "Um, it isn't that I don't believe in God and naturally hope there's no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. That's the world that we're living in. And you know where I see it is, I see it with Christian celebrities, and they're like, they take their Bible, and they're like, well, you know what, Noah, no, no way, that flood never happened, Moses split in the Red Sea, that's coming out, no way, not going to happen. And they just start carving out all the parts of the Bible that they don't like. And then they do this, they go, but you know what, I don't believe in the flood or all this stuff, but I just love Jesus. <laughs> you laugh that that's what they say. And you know what, let me tell you something, that option is not open to you. Because Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. You don't get to pick the parts that you want. You don't get to throw away the parts of the Bible that don't mesh with what you want. You know, when these, when these artists and authors and Christian celebrities are saying that, that, that they need to align with a more modern moral belief system, we know what they're saying, right? I don't like what's in God's word, and I'm not going to listen. And that's fine, and I'm not here to scoff at them. I'm telling you this is what they said. I'm also telling you, that your kids and your grandkids are listening to this and it's creating doubt. And they're starting to wonder because they're going to school and the teacher sure doesn't believe in the Lord many, many, many times. Sometimes, yes. They're turning on the TV. They're not getting Christian messages there. They're going on TikTok, you know, all these places. And for the most part, it's just all anti-God. And I'm not saying all of it is. There's a lot of Christians that are out there. But, you know, we listen to all of it, right? It's just Christian, non-Christian. It's all coming in. And it just starts to make us doubt the truth of this word, right? It's pride. 
People who deconstruct their faith have put themselves in the place of God because they're determining what's right and what's wrong. One more. Fear, doubt, pride. You may not be born again. Now, I want to be careful with this. I'm not saying you can lose your salvation, right? If any man be in Christ is a new creation, old things pass away, all things become new. I believe, I know pastor believes, that when you're born again, you are a new creation, and nothing can undo that. But let me tell you, you know, a dangerous place to raise a kid is in a church. Because, and I will, my family, we brought our kids to church from the time they were born. And, you know, they're two years old and they're learning, right, the truth about God's word. And they know all the answers, right? How do you go to heaven? They know how, they know how that works. They know about forgiveness of sin. But there's a difference between head knowledge and having a true faith in Christ, right? And I can say that because I was that person. I was six years old. My dad had just started going to church. I walked the aisle at First Baptist in Elkhart, which was a huge church at that time, and that aisle was like two miles long, and I walked it, and I went to the front, and I prayed the sinner's prayer. And I got a Bible and a booklet, and I felt real good about that. And I shared the gospel. I read the Bible, kind of. Um, I was a good kid. In fact, I was so good that nobody here would have liked me, like it was sickening. I wish I could go back and not be a good kid. I was so good. But you know what? Something happened, because as I became a teenager... Being a Christian was really hard. And I felt like I was walking through maple syrup. Like I just could hardly walk forward. And I'm looking at these other people, and it's like, why is it so easy for them to be a Christian? And it's so hard for me. And, you know, I went to all the Bible programs. My dad made sure we went to all that stuff. But I wasn't really a believer. But I didn't know that. And really it took me just... Sin looked better and better and better. So I'm getting into sin. I'm probably 16 or so. And uh, I thought, you know, I really like this. I like sin. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, but it also troubled me. Now, that's the Holy Spirit, right? That's not me. And I started to think, well, what if I'm really not born again? So I'd ask people at church, well, you know, well, you prayed the sinner's prayer. What are you talking about? You got a certificate right here. You got your church Bible. You know what? It doesn't matter. Because it's not their neck on the line, right? You can tell me all day long I'm saved, but that doesn't make me saved. And you can remind me that 10 years ago I prayed a sinner's prayer, but, you know, look, if someone tells a six-year-old, look, if you pray these words, you, you, you won't go to hell. What do you want to do? Hey, I'll pray it, Right? Sounds good to me. I thought I was a Christian, but I wasn't born again. And I know what that's like. And here's the scary thing. What if you're here this morning, and what if you're not sure? Maybe you're 
a Sunday school teacher. Or maybe you're a kid that your parents have brought you to church every week for years. And, you know, when they ask you, you're like, yep, 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 all about the Lord. I love the Lord. But you know what? Maybe inside you're not so sure. And I want you to know I'm on your side because I know what it's like. You may not be born again. Not saying you can lose your salvation. You know, the Bible, did you know the Bible tells us to test ourselves? You know, I grew up in a church, and you know what? It was a good church. It was good people. But getting saved was kind of like signing your insurance policy, right? I got my fire insurance, and I'm all good. And I never have to go back and think about it ever again. But you know what? That's not what the Word of God says. Paul, 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this, Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. You know what? I still do that. I still do that, Lord. Am I really born again? And you know, that little witness of the Holy Spirit that says, yep, what you did when you were 17, that was real. Um, Philippians 2, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. See, I love our pastor. You love our pastor, right? I love him. He's awesome. He can't make you saved, right? He can, he can share the word of God with you. He can pray with you. He can encourage you. He can't make you saved. Going to Southside doesn't make you saved. Watching the hour of power doesn't make you saved, right? That's between you and God. You know, sometimes one thing that really bothers me because of the lie, and this happened to someone I know, and they're like, well, you know, I want to believe in God, but church people are mean. You know, they kind of are. I mean, can we, can we admit that? Does it, yeah, sometimes. No, none of you, none of you are mean at all. But sometimes church people can be mean. Or, well, you know, the pastor, he didn't, Right? Or maybe it's something more personal. Well, you know what? Look, I'd like to believe in God, but my father beat me and was an alcoholic, and I just can't believe that there would be a good God. Right? Well, the Bible has something to say about that. It says, for we must all, we must all, right? Everybody here, appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for the, his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So one day, friends, you, and one day me, we're going to be standing in front of the throne of Christ. And he's going to say to me, Chris, you're going to give an account for what you've done in the body, whether good or bad. And if I go, well, you know, look, Jesus, I really, I really meant to follow you, but man, those church people were just, they were a bunch of hypocrites. Do you think that's going to sway him? Oh, you know, yeah, come on in, I get it. You're good. Well, you know, I, I wanted to believe, but, man, my dad beat me, and it was just, I just, I just couldn't trust. It, it's not going to fly. It is not going to fly. One day, friends, you and I are going to stand in front of the Lord, and we'll have to give account for the life. And you know what he's going to say? Is he's going to say, you know, I'm sorry your dad beat you, but follow me. Right? Follow me. God, who who is a father to orphans. God, who cares about the hurting and the sick. 
The Bible says the Lord is near to those who are brokenhearted. And we're just like, get away from me. I don't want anybody to talk to me because I'm hurting right now, right? But God is a loving father and he's there for you. And he's there for you today in real ways. You know, we all know pain. We've all had those dark nights where we've wondered, is it worth it to keep going? You know, we've all had those times. And God's saying, look, I'm here. I'm here for you. And so I just want to, I'm just, I'm begging you, I'm beseeching you that if this is you, and maybe you're not really born again, let's make it right today. Let's, let's not wait on that. So what do we do? Maybe I'm drifting. Maybe you're drifting. And maybe you feel like I'm beating up on you. And you know what? That is not what I'm here to do because I'm on your side. But what do I do if I'm drifting? Maybe I've got all these doubts. Maybe, maybe you're like my friend that he is a Christian, but just the problems of life are overwhelming him and dragging him down. He just doesn't know that he wants to keep going. Maybe, maybe your parents dragged you to church your whole life, but you're just not sure if it's true. Maybe you say, well, you know what, look, I, I believe in God and Jesus, but I just don't know about this dying on the cross stuff. You know what? That's okay, right? It's okay as long as you don't stay there. So I'm going to ask some things of you. And the first one is be willing. I want to ask you to be willing to confide in somebody. You know, secrets are a lot bigger and a lot scarier when you keep them to yourself. You know what I'm talking about? Find someone that you trust, confide, tell them, look, I'm having doubts. Like, you know, I've taught Sunday school and I've done this and I've been to VBS, but I, sometimes I'm just not sure that God is real, right? Let's go to the word. Let's look at it together. Are you willing to do that? I also want to encourage you to be watchful. It's hard to look at ourselves and wonder, especially after some of the stuff I said this morning. It's hard to look at ourselves and think, well, am I full of pride or you know, am I being influenced by the world? And we don't, we don't want to even entertain that that could be happening. But let's look at what Peter says about that. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil the one we looked at in Genesis, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And you know how lions get their prey? When they go up to a herd, they're not looking for the fastest, right? They're looking for the weak, the sick, the easy catch. And Satan is a lion, and he's looking, right? He's looking, for all of us. Because let me tell you, he's right there ready to fill the gap. And if we start walking away from the Lord, he is all about it. You know, we like to say as Christians that God has a plan for our life. Well, you know what? Satan has one for you too. And his plan is to fill you with doubt, fill you with fear, his plan is to get you so mixed up that you're like, well, you know what? Maybe there's a God and maybe there isn't. I'm, I'll just figure all that out when I get to heaven, right? You think he knows. 
He knows that one day you're going to stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ. And you know what? He's not too worried about it. He doesn't care what happens there. But his plan is to get us all mixed up now. Jesus said, watch and pray that you fall not into temptation. You know, I don't, why is it? I think it must be one of the lies of Satan. Why is it that we think of Christianity as this real passive, you know, just sitting in a seat and reading Bible verses and drinking coffee with somebody? Christianity is bold and active. Paul said, I lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. I continue to press forward to grab hold of that for which Christ Jesus grabbed hold of me. It's active. It's, it's doing. It's not just sitting back. Jesus said this way, Mark 13, Jesus said, I, what I say to you, I say to all. So that's all of us, right? Stay awake. I don't know if you ever feel like this. Sometimes I feel so overwhelmed by news and stories and people and opinions. I feel like I'm just being wrapped in this big, heavy blanket, like those weighted blankets everybody likes now. And it's just, I start to feel numb. Do you ever feel that way? I just, I mean, there's so many social justice causes I ought to be caring about and so many hurting people and now there's a war and more hurting people and after a while you're just overwhelmed and you just kind of go into numb mode. You know, I just, I just don't feel much of anything. But Jesus said to me and to you, stay awake. We need to be active. We need to be alert. Last one. Be bold, take hold. Philippians 3.12, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Joshua said this, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Well, like I just scared myself. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I think we need to hear that today. You know, I see all this stuff going on and you know what I want to do? I just want to retreat. Like, why don't we all just buy you know, 200 acres in Montana and we'll build ourselves a compound and we're going to have worship every night and Bible studies every day and we're just going to have a great old time. But the problem is that's not what God called us to. He didn't call us to hide. In, you know, he didn't call us to drag the wagons into a circle and hide inside. He wants us out there reaching people, ministering, being bold. That's what he wants for you. And I want to encourage you to be bold and to take hold. Because sometimes I think the doubts come in because we're not bold. We start to feel scared, doubtful, put upon. We start to withdraw a little bit. Let's be bold. Let's be bold by drawing near to God. James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, how do we draw near to God? Well, I only know one well, two ways to make that happen. Reading the Bible and praying. And you might think, Ugh, I don't want to do that. 
That sounds boring. Read the Bible, pray. Okay, I got something for you. Here. Jagger got me on this. Because I really like it. The five-minute Bible study for men. So it's like, come on, you got five minutes. And I really liked it. And you know what? I think will happen. So, and I'm talking to someone that maybe you just feel like you don't have time to read the word. You're just, you're too busy. You're go, go, go. You're getting home at night. You got to mow the yard, blah, blah, blah. I don't have time. Five-minute Bible study. It's six bucks, I think, on Amazon. Thought-provoking. But you know what? You need to be in the word. You might go, well, five minutes isn't very much. Well, you know what? It's more than zero, right? Um, here, I'll try not to trip. What is this? It's a level. What is it for? Leveling. Thank you. (laughs) What is this for? It's got the, right? The bubble. So I can make sure that things are straight and square, right? Well, God's word is your level. Because what happens is, when I'm not in God's word... And I, all this stuff from the world's coming to my mind. Am I thinking, let's, let's say this is God's word, right? Straight and narrow. And my thinking starts to go like this, right? Just slowly, just slowly. Just a little doubt here, a concern there. Maybe like Eve, you know, how she kind of misremembered what God told her. Maybe I misremember how that Bible verse goes. And over time, here's God's word, and I just start going Like that, until all of a sudden I'm way over here and I don't even know how I got there. God's word is your level. You need to be in God's word. And I'll tell you, one of the lies of Satan is he'll tell you, you can't read the Bible for yourself. You gotta have a Sunday school teacher tell you what it means. Or you gotta have a pastor tell you tell you what it means. So here, I'll show you how to read the Bible. You go, maybe we start in Genesis. That's a good book. You go, Lord. Help me to understand what I'm going to read. I'm not a Bible scholar, but you speak to me right now as I read your word. Right? What was that? Ten seconds? Read a chapter. A chapter of the word takes what? Three minutes? Four? Five? Read a chapter. And just ask God to speak to you. I remember when um, I first got saved, I was 17, and... To me, the Bible, like, it might as well have been written in a foreign language because I, I really couldn't understand it. And every night, I would just pray, Lord, help me to understand your word. Expand my mind. And I just started reading. And all of a sudden, after a while, things started to make sense. And then it made more sense. And then it made more sense. And you know what? There's still stuff in this book that I'm grappling with. There's still stuff in here. I'm like, now, God, what do you mean in Hebrews chapter 6? I'm just not sure about that. But you know what? There's an awful lot of it that is very clear. And if you really want to be bold, if you want to make a difference in this world, if you want to be a Christian who's going to stand upright in these challenging times, be bold. Read the word. Pray. And let me tell you, if you're not used to praying, prayer is really blech, right? You feel like you're talking to a wall. You feel like nothing's happening. And so, you know what? You're just saying, Lord, I don't really sense anything. I don't know if you're really there, but Father, and pour out your prayer request. Lord, work in me. Help me to live for you. You know, and just start. And, and two, just say, Lord, is there anything that you want to talk to me about? And then 
shut up. <laughs> I'm not very good at that. I like to go to God and go, blah, 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 amen, and I'm off on my date, right? Just shut up, man. Just give God a chance to talk back, you know? I don't know of any other way to draw near to God. But you know what? I'll tell you what. I know he's real. I know he's there. Remember what James said? Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Who has to draw near first? I do. I do. You know, some people today, and maybe, maybe you've questioned this, they say, how can this book be anything today? It's so old. It's out of date. It's out of step with modern society. Why would anybody trust anything that's written in this book? Well, let me tell you something. In the 60s, people said God is dead. No, well, guess what? God's still here. Hitler tried to change the meaning of the gospel. He tried to dictate what churches could teach. Guess what? He's gone. This is still here. The Roman Empire, gone. This is still here. And one day, all of us are going to be gone, but this word remains. It is a solid rock that you and I can depend on. Because here's the problem. If you don't take God at his word, then you're taking Satan at his. There's no other way around it. Our author in Hebrews said this. Remember, he talked about drifting away, right? We need to give more earnest heed lest we drift away. But then, guess what? A few chapters later, he gives us some hope. He says, We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be strongly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Some translations I like how they say, sure and steadfast. And I'm telling you that this world, they can all hate God all they want, but he is forever. And the hope in the Gospels is an anchor for you if you're willing to grab onto it. You know, I want to encourage you about something as we close. Um, We talked about, like maybe you're, you're drifting that maybe you know a drifter. What do I do about that? Let me just encourage you. First of all, talk to them, right? Don't preach at them. Just talk to them, find out why are they questioning. Don't get mad. Your anger and your logic never argued anybody into heaven, right? Right? It, it's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit. But talk to them and find out what's going on and then lead them to Scripture, just say, well, you know what, let's look at what the Bible says about that. Now, maybe you don't know, and that's okay. Say, you know what, let me think about that, and I'll get back to you. And then you're going to go home, you're going to open your web browser, and you're going, to t- you're going to go to Google and type, what does the Bible say about whatever their question is? And then you're going to get Bible verses, and you're going to go back to them and say, well, I was thinking about this, and this is what the Bible says about your question, right? Now, I let you in on my secret. Don't tell anybody, right? That's between you and me. But you know what? we got to be there for each other. If you're drifting, hey man, I'm here for you. Um, We're all going through this together. And there's a lot of ungodliness pulling at you every day. And if you know someone that's drifting, oh man, pray for them. 
pray for them. Because you never know. They could come back to Christ. Do you believe that? I do. I certainly do. So this morning, Brandon, we're, uh, I'm at the end. Um, what we're going to do is Brandon's going to lead us, and I don't know that anybody will come forward, but we're going to open the altar. And if you are drifting and you want to make things right with God, right here. And if you know someone that's drifting and you want to lift their name before the Lord this morning, I invite you to come forward and pray for them. Because if we don't pray for them, who's going to, right? Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you, or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks and have a great week.